Welcome to the Milk Bottle Labs Shopify e-commerce podcast brought to you by Milk Bottle Labs, officially Ireland's top-rated Shopify experts. Milk Bottle Labs are loved by Shopify store owners around the world and host the fastest-growing Shopify meetup quarterly in Ireland's capital, Dublin. This podcast is supported by Rare.io. Rare helps Shopify store owners increase your sales with smart and personalized email marketing. Thanks for listening. Now over to your host, Keith Matthews. Hey folks, welcome to episode two of the Milk Bottle Labs Shopify e-commerce podcast, recording from the banks of the River Liffey in Dublin. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by a dear friend, Bjorn Forsberg, based in Copenhagen in Denmark. Bjorn is the founder of Forsberg Plus Two and has developed apps for Shopify merchants which solve very simple problems, and they're very popular too. They are installed in over 25,000 Shopify stores worldwide. Bjorn was very good to join us in Dublin in 2016, and he spoke at one of our first Shopify meetups. So it's great to have him on on episode two of the Milk Bottle Labs Shopify e-commerce podcast. Bjorn, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Keith. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Are you, where are you today, Bjorn? Are you in the office or are you at home? I'm or? in the office, yeah. It's uh, Friday afternoon, so I'm just uh, getting ready to, to call it a week. Good. Have you recovered? Uh, I believe you, you you gave an excellent masterclass in Berlin at Shopify Pursuit. Did, did you recover okay? Yeah, it was. It took a lot of energy to, to run a four-hour workshop, but uh, it was an absolutely amazing experience. And you know, it was really nice to see that, that people enjoyed it, and either they were inspired or they got some some useful info out of it. So it was a lot of fun. That's good. That's good. And uh, Bjorn, look, it's it's a uh, it's great to have you. We're probably regarded as the old guys in the Shopify community. I think we know know each other quite a while. <laughs> yeah, and we've had the pleasure of meeting. All over the world, actually. It's a funny Shopify ecosystem, isn't it? You, you become so friendly and so conjoined with people, uh, even though they're living all over the world. It's, ma- it's yeah. amazing. And so I think it's also really nice to speak with people that, that you know, know what I'm doing <laughs> um, and have similar interests and, and worldviews, I guess. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Your your apps are absolutely, like, the, you know, as the Americans would say, they're super successful. So um, just give us a, people are always intrigued with, with, with us, you know, in terms of the size of the team, what sort of work we do. You have a very, very interesting structure. So just, just give, give the listeners an insight into, into who Forsberg Plus Two is and where the name came from. Yeah, sure. So, well, thank you, firstly. But um, yeah, Forsberg Plus Two, uh, a lot of people think that it means that there's more of us. Um, but there's actually just me. And uh, the Plus Two is, is originally for my, my wife and my daughter uh, when I just started the company. Uh, and then we've had a, a little boy as well. So it really should be Plus Three. But um, it's very much a, a little family business, I guess you could say. Where, yeah, I, my wife helps out now on the, on the social media and things like that. And then everything else, uh, I guess I do. Good. Um, and yeah, I started, started using a little bit of freelancers and stuff like that, but that's sort of for, for smaller things. Yeah, that's interesting. I had Mike Potter from, from Rewind on. Uh, Mike spoke at our meetup um, in May. And one of the points that Mike made was, was that some developers are finding it increasingly difficult to manage on their own with the amount of marketing that's involved and customer support. So you're coping with that. You've got systems in place to manage that, have you? I do. Uh, I get some help with the, the advertising for my business. Um, and I've also got a guy that helps out with like email flows and copywriting and, and stuff like that. Uh, but I still do all the support uh, myself and, and the coding and, and stuff like that. 
but it's definitely, I'd say four apps is, is sort of the max one guy can handle. So I'm, I'm starting to look at either making my support a lot more efficient using different tools um, or, or looking to get somebody in a, like a first line support kind of level. Because yeah, I'm, I'm getting less and less time, I guess you could do to, to focus on the, on the new developments and, and driving the business forward. Uh, I love doing customer support, something I've done in the past as well. But at some point, I guess it makes sense to, to start looking uh, to get some help. Yeah, does, does, does that kind of structure, does it force you to, to become more efficient and create apps that, you know, with less bugs or with, with less long lists yeah, of FAQs? Absolutely. Yeah. Does, does so, it? You know, just creating uh, lots of help articles is definitely helpful, um, both for, for customers, of course, but, but also for myself. And then just, yeah, trying to be really efficient about how to do things. Uh, lots of save replies, but where it still gets a personal sort of touch to it. And then having a really structured approach to it. So do, you know, support every morning. First thing I do when I get in to get it out of the, you know, to make sure that it's done every day. Um, and it also makes me a little less stressed, I guess, the rest of the day. So knowing that I've got the, the main thing done and then I can move on with everything else. But on a, on a Monday morning when you wake up, though, do you have a backlog of, of, of support queries? Yeah, the weekend's not too bad, but um, I'd say like uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays are the heavy days as far as support goes. But uh, yeah, I'd say there's maybe 40, 40 messages a day uh, coming either via the chat, via the, like a message system or, or through email. Yeah. So it's, it's plenty of work. It takes a couple of hours, I guess, every day now. Yeah, it do, I, I could imagine it does. And well, you're, do, you're doing something right because you're one of the, the, the highest ranked positive, you've got one of the highest ranked positive ratings on, across all of your apps. So... So Bjorn, just give us a, a rundown. So, you, you know, at the moment you're pushing four apps, the orderly emails app, orderly print, the orderly order printer templates, yeah. and then the order printer emailer. Just give us a, a rundown on what the four of those do. And uh, sure. the, we, when we spoke before, I remember you told us about you, you switched from, I think you moved one of them to a free plan and you also switched one of them, I think, to a fixed price rather than a subscription. So I'd love to hear about the structure of, of the, the pricing after you go through them as well. Okay, sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I guess my, my first app uh, and, and my oldest app is, is Orderly Print, um, which is a, it helps sort of high volume Shopify stores to, to be more efficient in picking, packing and, and fulfilling their orders. So it lets them, uh, you know, print picking lists, uh, packing slips, invoices, and then to fulfill and, and send the tracking information to customers. The key component is that it lets you work with, you know, uh, 250 orders at a time instead of the, the smaller batches. So it really helps a lot of uh, people become, you know, uh, more efficient. Um, and that's uh, on a recurring monthly sort of pricing. It's uh, $49 a month, uh, but that's with unlimited use. So, so no matter how many orders you've got to process, it's the same price every time. Um, and that's, I guess, would, that's more aimed towards sort of power users, I guess you could say. Then you've got order printer templates, which is um, a design tool. Uh, Shopify has a free app called Order Printer, which um, lets you sort of print off uh, documents for your orders. To be able to customize those and make them branded and contain all the information you need, in Shopify, you, you need to know how to code. So Order Printer Templates removes that, that need and lets you, you know, pick from some really nice designs and then customize them using you know, simple controls instead of touching any code yourself. And that one is a, a one-time purchase. I think it's also the, the right way to go uh, as far as pricing goes on that one because people come in, they design it, and then they might not use the app again or they can come back in and update their design. But, but you know, they're, they're, it's not a tool that they're using daily. Um, so it just felt like the right thing to do to, to make it a one-time purchase. 
it's $29 for a template and then any additional templates you purchase get a, a 50% off. So, um, so, so there is whatever you need. Yeah. So there, there is an opportunity for you to make a little bit of revenue on top of the one soft fee then, is there? There is, yeah. So, so they can, you know, maybe they want uh, additional templates or something like that. Or, the, of course, they might discover one of my other apps as well. Yeah. Which it lets me sort of capture, I guess, a bit more value up front, but, but also making, how would you say, it, it converts really well and, and a lot of merchants get, get benefit out of it. And I think more people use the app simply because it is a one-time purchase and you're adding additional cost, right? Installing apps can sometimes add up quite a bit over the month. So it seems like it's been a very popular thing to, to do the one-time pricing and it, it works well for me. That's good. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Ju- just one, 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 one issue I think which has affected a, a good few app developers over the last 12 months is um, the changes that Shopify are making to the to to the app store, but also um, Shopify are pushing out you know extra functionality, especially across Plus, which is being which is being delivered to merchants yeah. now at the moment through apps. So just just give us some detail. You, you mentioned there that Shopify effectively released at your equivalent for free. How did that affect the take up after that? Yeah, uh, forwardly print. It was you know a scary moment. The Shopify comes out with Order Printer, which is which is free. I guess it did two things. One was, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. So I built the order printer templates to, to sort of provide all these thousands of merchants with, with a design solution. But also with orderly print, it also made me focus more on the higher volume uh, stores where, where order printer just isn't enough. But it was definitely a, a, a pretty harsh uh, reality when you see that something's becoming obsolete, right? But I, I think it just made me focus and, and made me more creative in, in where I could take these apps um, and a little bit more focused, I guess. Yeah, that's, that, that's the interesting one. When we were at Unite this year, we were sitting beside some developers and when Shopify had announced the marketing, the new marketing APIs and some changes to the platform, they, they told yeah. us that they had three apps in the pipeline that were instantly wiped. Um, yeah. But I, I guess... I think the reality is they generally when Shopify releases something, you know, going to Unite is always this exciting and scary moment, right? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to see what's coming out, but you're always a bit worried if it's if it's going to affect you. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, th- I think, uh, you know, Shopify releases products that are aimed to, to cover the, the core use case, I guess. So generally there's always going to be room for a more advanced power user style style app anyway. So what I've generally seen is, yeah, it's, it's scary when, when you see them releasing something that, that you're also doing, but uh, in a sense, uh, it doesn't kill it completely because you're always going to, you know, have additional features and, and more advanced stuff than, than what Shopify is offering in their core. Yeah, the, 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 it's interesting the way you mentioned that, that, that you know, the, waiting for Shopify's announcements is both scary and exciting from a kind of a, from a, from our point of view, for, you know, as a as an agency building Shopify stores, as a Shopify expert, we, yeah. we we we're completely shielded from the scary side, and it's 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 only ever exciting, which is uh, one of the yeah. One of the, That's one, a, one of the a, a nice little position to be in, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think the 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 ideal agency is building stores and also running successful apps, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. and you see more and more people doing that actually. Yeah, there is you yeah. know dabbling in both sides. So I think it's I think agencies also have a. a sort of a unique perspective on uh, merchant needs that, that maybe an app developer coming in without running an agency doesn't see, right? Yeah, I think also a lot of agencies will build uh, one-off apps for, you know, for let's say for plus customers and then they'll realize in actual fact that they can actually package them and sell them. So yeah, um, some, sometimes the, the, the answer to the app 
you know, is, is, is sometimes already created and it, sometimes the answer is in front of the developer's face in the case of an agency environment. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, I've, I've talked to, talked recently to a good few agencies in, um, in Toronto and, uh, a lot of them are, are, are looking at that. And I suppose it's a, it's, it's a reflection on Shopify's success. I mean, the app store has been, you know, it, it has made, uh, it has allowed and made a good living for a lot of, a lot of app developers. So there's no reason why Definitely. if you had, you know, if you were set up properly that you could do it as well. So, yeah, um, absolutely. And I think it's just growing all the time, right? So, yeah. you know, some people might say it's, you know, a saturated market, but, uh, I don't think so. There's, there's still lots of opportunity there. Yeah. The, the Bjorn, the Shopify, at Unite uh, this year uh, released uh, the marketing API, and I, if, mm. is it correct to say that you were one of the chosen developers to integrate into that before it was released? Uh, yeah, I got yeah. into the, the beta of it at least. Yeah, yeah. Can um, you can you can you run us run us through kind of what what addition or what value that adds to the to to your apps and and for app yeah, developers? Yeah. yeah, so I'll just intro the app that I used it in. I guess uh, Orderly Emails, which is. Yes, similar to the to the print template uh, app that I have, but in that, you know, it's a design tool. But this one's for all the Shopify email notifications. So you know, Shopify sends order confirmations, shipping confirmation, event card emails. Uh, there's 18 different emails that Shopify sends. And again, you need to be able to code or, or hire somebody to to customize these for you. And so, orderly emails goes in and is basically a, a, a theme editor for all of these emails. So you pick a design, you can customize it in the same way you'd customize sort of your website. Um, and then you again purchase it for a one-time fee. And I, I could see with the, the marketing events API, with you know, email tracking is usually something that you do only in marketing emails. But these notification or transactional emails being sent to customers are also a great opportunity to sort of you know optimize and, and upsell or get repeat business. Uh, from the customers that are already buying from you, which is generally, uh, you know, good people to, to, to be able to market to. But before it wasn't able, you weren't able to actually see, you know, how many people are clicking in these emails, how many are opening them, you know, uh, can I optimize them in any way? And the marketing events API, it lets us tell Shopify that, you know, there's going to be traffic coming from these emails, um, you know, visitors clicking in the emails, landing on the website and maybe making a purchase or, or browsing around. And the marketing events API lets Shopify, us to tell Shopify that this is going to happen and how to collect that data. So then they're able to actually show you in the standard sort of Shopify analytics and reports what kind of traffic and sales are coming from your emails. Um, and it splits it up into, you know, which email were they in, uh, which element did they click on, yeah, and, and if it results in an order, you can actually see it on the order page as well, where it sort of attributes it back to saying, hey, well, you know, this app helped generate this amount of sales. So it's a lot easier for merchants to sort of, you know, optimize these these offerings that they're doing. Maybe they're putting, you know, discount code in or uh, some recommended products or something like that. Yeah, and the, the Marketing Events API is just really a great tool to be able to to push this information into Shopify without having to build it yourself in the app. They have these great, you know, graphing and, and reporting capabilities. So so this allows us to leverage that without having to to run the infrastructure and do all the aggregation ourselves. Interesting. And, and then does that allow you then to provide analytics to the customer or are they getting all their analytics through Shopify's dashboard? Yeah, so they get it all through the Shopify dashboard. We do keep a small amount of, how would you say, anonymous uh, just tallies. So saying on this day, we had this many clicks and then this many opens of this particular email. So you can see that in my app. But if you want to actually see the traffic and everything else, you do that through uh, through the Shopify admin. 
And is that, so at the moment on, on the right-hand corner, you, you can see the, primarily it was MailChimp, but you can see the performance of your marketing campaigns. Is it, is, yeah. it, is, it in that, is it in that report it section is, or is it new? Yeah, exactly. No, same place. Yeah. So you can see uh, traffic attributed to a marketing campaign. Um, or you can see sales attributed to to a marketing campaign. So they're the marketing campaign reports, I guess you can see that you'll see all this data in. Okay. And so you'll yeah, you'll see the campaign as the email, for example, order confirmation or abandoned cart, and then you can drill down further to sort of see which elements that they're using. And the the other cool thing is that this data gets then pushed by Shopify or you know, further on from there into Google Analytics as well. So if you're more used to using that, it actually shows up in there as well, without having to do anything extra. So uh, so I, I so so in in Google Analytics then I can see I can see the conversion results as a which have been pushed as a result of your app is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you can see if they've clicked the link in one of the one of the emails. Yeah, and if that resulted in a sale and and how much and and everything else. Yeah, does that then allow you to to work out yourself what the what the resulting sales are from all of your or orderly email customers or is it only available to no, people that are using the market? It's only one way. So it's I only one way. Push okay. data to to Shopify and I can't get anything out. So I think it's a nice you know, I don't want that data. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. I, I don't think that's mine to, to yeah, have. So to have, yeah. it, it just yeah, it's only available to the merchant and, and of course Shopify are aggregating that. Yeah, interesting. So just to just to segue slightly into uh, into the, the marketing side. Um, no, I've had a number, I've a number of conversations with app developers over the last while, and they're they're one of the challenges they have is obviously a lot of them are small teams, and they the biggest one of the biggest challenges they have is is support as we discussed earlier yeah. on, but then marketing. So yeah, if there was one piece of advice to give a, a, an app developer that was thinking of doing exactly what you've done, yeah. you know, a small operation, uh, very efficiently run, you know, uh, solving very simple problems. There, it's a you know it's a crowded marketplace now. So in terms of getting started and also then growing, what sort of advice yeah. would you give somebody? Well, I think the first one is to to just give great support. I think support is the best marketing you can do, in that it results in you know reviews, which then results in you being ranked higher in the app store. I think uh, Rianne from Ventov, who do another app, she said it really well. She said the. Uh, uh, focus on making great product, be kind, and everything else is noise, right? So, yeah. so that you know, the main thing is to have a great product, obviously, but then to give great support, and then after that, you can start thinking about maybe paid acquisition and, and things like that. But I've found that the paid advertising and, and marketing that I've done is a lot less effective than than just you know making sure that people are happy with the product that they're using and they're going to tell either their, their friends or other people using the, the reviews. There's also a lot you can do around, you know, copywriting. I found that it has a huge effect on, on how well an app does, whether you're using the right keywords and things like that, but also just in explaining your product really well and, and concisely um, so that people understand what it actually does. So did, did you did you hire a professional for that or did you just... I did, yeah. Did? yeah. So originally I did it all myself um, and I'd write out the, the description, I guess you could say, in, in my words and then I'd get a professional to come in and edit my my description to, to make it clearer and, and more concise. I think it's important though when if you're finding a copywriter not just to find an editor but find somebody that has some sales experience as well because obviously it needs to be said in a way that, that actually entices people to sign up as well. Yeah, and the voice and tone has to match your your own your, your own goals and your own brand, I suppose, as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think you know, getting started is probably the hardest part because 
you, know, you don't have an audience. Um, now I've got multiple apps, so if I release a new app, I've got a, a large audience that, that I can sort of tell about it right away. But but I think getting started, yeah, just focus on, on creating a, a simple as, as possible product and, and then just making sure you give really good support. Yeah, that's good yeah. advice. And, and to help seed it a bit as well, you know, a really good thing has always been to sort of, you know, put a big notice on, on your app um, description and, and in the forums and stuff saying, hey, I'm looking just for, for beta testers. And if you want to try out the app and give some feedback, you'll get it for, you know, half price or, you know, a free trial for, for six months or something like a really good deal for people to to get started with it. Because I think in the beginning, you know, feedback is, is worth a lot more than just money. Um, so the more people you can get on and the more feedback you can get early, the better traction you're going to have. Very good. And and you've had, have you had good take up when you've offered that? Yeah, it's, it's been, I've done it on all my apps because I realized on the first couple that, it, uh, that it really had a good, good effect. I think it also, you know, with a new product, the worst thing you want is for somebody to run into something that's not, you know, working hundred percent and leaving a bad review or something like that. So, so being really upfront about it being a new product and you're looking for beta testers also ensures that people that are signing up know what they're, you know, that it is a brand new app and, and you may not have caught, you know, you might've caught 99%, but there's might be 1% that's, you know, you just couldn't design for because you know, there's so many different types of stores and the way they're set up and so forth. Yeah. So the, 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 the request for feedback then kind of helps you to answer, answer questions that you never even knew existed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and not leaving a bad taste in people's mouths because they think that this is a, you know, a fully polished product, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Bjorn, when did you enter the App Store originally? Oh, it's uh, way back in 2011. Yeah. So it's a long time ago now. A long time ago. So yeah. So you would have you would have been, you know, well used to the old App Store. So another another conversations that we've had with with other app developers you know in the last 6 months is the obviously the the new Shopify app store was released and it's a fantastic improvement on the yeah. the original uh, platform but of course effectively for you as an app developer it's kind of like a, it's a google search engine and the algorithms were changed so yeah when it when it was um, when it was released did it did you have any uh, immediate effect either positive or negative in terms of results and and, and downloads yeah definitely so it was actually positive in my in my case, which is really nice to see. Obviously, I was very very worried when they when they launched it whether this would sort of you know, especially with the one time apps, they require a higher volume of users, of course, to, to be signing up and, and paying for these apps one time, right? Whereas a, a recurring app is more of a sort of rolling snowball, I guess you'd say. Um, but yeah, so they released it, and then um, yeah, it took a, a really steep positive uh, effect to begin with, and I think that was because obviously they were pushing out saying, "Hey, we've got a brand new app store," and, and everyone was in there taking a look and, and signing up for new apps and stuff like that. But then about a week later, when when the dust had settled, I, I'd say there's still about a twenty percent increase in in uh, traffic or conversions at least, which is really nice to see. And I, I think it just looks better, looks more professional. It's easy to find what you need. Um, I think the important part for an app is to be in the right category. Uh, and luckily, you know, I felt that my apps have been in the, in the correct categories. And then Shopify also came out with a, a great article, how you could sort of en- enhance or optimize your listing to make sure that it is showing up in the correct searches and, and stuff like that. And, and making a few tweaks just made sure that it was, you know, if you type in invoice or something like that, you're going to find my app because it, it is sort of the, 
the best solution for that particular problem. Yeah, I mean, I got the impression, Bjorn, all along the way that they were, you know, they gave everybody plenty of notice and plenty of resources and, uh, you know, education to, to help as many people yeah, as possible. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. The only thing they didn't give us was a date, right? But, a date, uh, yeah. You know, we've been working on these listings for, for over six months, I'd say. And they sort of locked them down at some point and said, right, this is what we're rolling out with. And then they've obviously been testing and, and optimizing on their side. So when they when they did release it, there was no issues or anything like that. We didn't have tracking just the first day and then that came on and we were all happy. Um, but if it, yeah, that's, it, I think it was a good, a good way to do it. Um, yeah. yeah, you need to rip the Band-Aid off at some point, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it was a, look, at it was there a long time, so people have become very familiar with it. But I think in hindsight, looking at it, looking at the old one now, it certainly was dated. But um, yeah. look, at it worked and it was functional. Yeah. To me, for, like from the outside looking in, I mean, we have a, you know, we, we have a, a 10 or 15 core apps that we would that we would uh, install on, on, on any store. And sure. um, recently we, and a number of your apps are, the, are, are part of that core, but recently we spoke to Mike Potter of Rewind and he has a, 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 a kind of a, a niche app where he gives the facility for you to back up your store and, and uh, turn back the clock if you make any changes on a team. And yeah. Um, that's niche, and you know, obviously, niche is the way to go. Y- your apps kind of cross over between operational efficiency and marketing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, like, is the is the marketing end of the Shopify app store is is that a crowded space? Because to me, it it seems like there's a lot of apps doing the same thing. Yeah, there is. I guess um, I'd say that marketing is probably the most crowded section in the app store, but I think it's also the most trafficked or, or used because obviously if you can uh, install an app and increase your sales on your store, then you're going to use it, right? Where, you know, uh, I always like to think about apps as, as either a vitamin or a painkiller. So either it gives you superpowers or, or it's solving some, you know, hurt that you're seeing. And, and it's fu- it, if I could, I would always choose the uh, vitamins because they're, they're easier to sort of sell and, and, and get people uh, excited about. But the painkillers seem to be, you know, you've, they've got to prove their worth, but once they have, they're, they're going to stick around. Um, yeah, yeah, so I, yeah, I'll tell you, marketing is definitely the most crowded area, but I can understand why. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah. if you're if you're if you're creating an app that you can straight away attribute sales to, obviously, as you say, it's it's going to uh, it's going to be the one that that, that, that people download. Yeah, um, and then it's just all about discoverability and making sure that you get it, you know, in front of people. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Is there? Have you have you noticed any trends in the app store? Is there a particular area that's growing, or you know? Um, yeah, I, I guess I've seen quite a few of these sort of you know spin a deal, or they're kind of interactive in a sense yeah. um, for the for the end customer, um, and they seem to be doing very well. Um, it's outside of my wheelhouse, I guess you could say, but I guess it surprised me because I was I remember chatting to to one of the guys that was. Uh, building, I think the first one, and you know, I was, I was like, ah, well, I can't see the the benefit in that one, and it, obviously, I just completely missed it, right? And it just took off and did really, really well. So I'm really happy for them. Yeah, it, it's one of those categories where I just didn't understand it. Um, yeah. But it, it collects emails and and it uh, generates sales. So I think that's the main part. That's the main part. Yeah, it's funny you say yeah. that. It's funny you say that because um, a lot of stores that we build, we try and keep the the front end as clean as possible. The minute we go into a store, you know, let's say a month or six weeks later, <laughs> invariably, ah, yes. invariably the, the store owner has not not <laughs> taken our advice and uh, installed an app of that style. You know, just look at. I, I really enjoyed the conversation, but just just to finish and, and just before sure. we go. 
Where do you see yourself? Where do you see uh, Forsberg plus two in the next 18 months, 12 months or yeah, well, down the, that's, down that's the road? a tough question because like I was saying, uh, you know, I don't think I can take on too many or more apps uh, just by myself. So I'd say it can go sort of two ways. One is, is I, I uh, get some help and, and start doing more apps. And the other one is, is really just um, focusing on what I have and, and making sure that it's really well optimized for the future. I guess I'm leaning more uh, towards the, you know, optimize what I have because I really like uh, staying small and, and, and being a really, I guess, nimble and, and flexible with my time and things like that. That's a tough question. I don't have the proper answer just now. <laughs> you, don't have, <laughs> that's, you don't have to have any answer at all. That's the, it's, it's, no. uh, it's, it's good that you, that, that it's, so I think that's probably a good thing that you don't have the, the proper answer. Do you have any, do you have any other ideas? I mean, as a, as a developer of successful apps, you, you know, and you, I'm not going to ask you for the ideas, but you must have, you guys must have, you know, 20 ideas floating around your head at any one time. Sometimes, but I think it's a matter of focusing on the good ones too, right? Because you could be spitting out apps all day long. Um, for the moment, I'm, I'm really focusing actually on, on uh, orderly emails and actually moving that more to a marketing style app as well. And, you know, I could have gone two ways with that. I could have uh, become an email platform, um, so sending out all the marketing emails myself. Uh, but again, I want to stay stay small and, and not have the, the worry about, you know, email infrastructure. So I'm going actually with uh, creating MailChimp templates so you can get matching, you know, marketing emails for uh, in the same style that you've generated your, your store's emails. So people can come in and pay a one-time fee and just get all the different email designs that they need to, to get everything set up, both on the transactional and the marketing side. Um, so that's, I'm really excited about getting that. So your, 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 your monthly newsletter or your abandoned cart out of MailChimp would match your, your, the, the, the orderly print fonts and style. Is that the idea? Yeah, so yeah, they'd have uh, you'd design them basically in orderly email still, and and then you'd you'd take that design and send it through your existing uh, Mailchimp account. Ah, so so just improving on the design experience and making it really simple, um, like we have the transactional, um, and and it basically being the same theme, I guess you could say. So if you change your logo, it automatically fixes it for for your transactional and and your uh, marketing emails. Wow, very, very powerful. That's 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 brilliant. Well, look, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, Bjorn, it was uh, it was a great conversation. Um, I've no idea where we, where we will meet next, but I'm sure it'll be a Shopify event in the next six yeah, or nine I'm months. Forward to it either way. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, Keith. Thanks very much. Good talking to you. Yeah. Take Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to episode two of the Milk Bottle Labs e-commerce podcast with Bjorn Forsberg from Forsberg Plus Two. Until next time, take care.